Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and today my guest is Colin Hutch, who is an entrepreneur and also founder of startups.、Um, Colin, I just realized I don't know where you're from. Thanks for having me, Shirley. <laughs> I'm from America, so I'm so happy to be here, far away from my homeland. Right. Where are you in America? From Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania.、So、that's where I grew up. Okay.、Yeah. Right. So now you've met Colin here.、Um, he's been in Taiwan on and off for five years. Let's see here. The first thing I know is, you know, well, you were introduced to me by a, a good friend, and、um, he was saying that you started a dating app. You would say called Down. D O W N, and that was after you came to Taiwan. Yes, yes, I started this back in 2013 in San Francisco. Oh,、um, in San Francisco. Oh, exactly.、Okay. Yeah, and it blew up in terms of users.、Uh, in the first three months, we had over a million people join, got a lot of media attention, and、um, and then took it through a ride. Ended up selling it to a Singaporean company. Yeah, and that. Journey brought me all the way to Taiwan when that company merged with a Taiwanese company. Oh, so that's why you're in Taiwan. That was the original reason, the original draw that brought me here. Yes. Oh, okay. Why down? Why down?、Um, D O W N. <laughs> oh, why the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Uh, it's it's a very、um, it's based on slang from the U.S. and it basically is for people who. Are more open to casual relationships or want to、uh, get down with somebody else. So that's where it comes from. Get down. Oh, I see. So, are you married now? I'm not married. I, I am dating, but I, I'm not married. So, was it also like for your own benefit, or for for <laughs> like you know a whole bunch of friends? And and then you said, yeah, let's start a dating app. Was that how it started? I was actually dating somebody at the time, so it wasn't for myself. It was more a, a curiosity. I always had this. This curiosity about how people meet new mates, potential partners, all that stuff, and、uh, I started exploring how I could make it easier. This、mm. was in 2013, before dating apps were really that big. Right. So、You're、I probably、uh, the one that started the trend. Yeah. Well, <laughs> us and Tinder. <laughs> I, I'm curious. What was your major in college? So I studied computer science、no、at、wonder. Cornell. Yes. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, and in the early days of Down, I definitely did most of the programming of it. Yeah. Wow, that that's incredible. So, do you still like to do coding every now and then? Now, you know, every once in a while I miss it, but I'm so rusty now. I don't do much of it. Oh, <laughs>、uh, okay. After Down, after arriving in Taiwan, now were you originally going to settle down here when you ar- first arrived in Taiwan? You know, when I first got here, I didn't have that in mind.、Mm. I think、uh, it kind of drew me in; it, it grew on me. And after you know a few trips on and off, a few years on and off, I fell in love with the place. And so now I'm back. It's my home base for my companies, for everything I'm doing, and and yeah, this is my home now. Yeah. What is it about Taiwan that makes you feel like it's the place for you to, you know? Do what you love most and what you specialize in. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity here for startups, especially on the software side. It's somewhat of an undeveloped market, but we still? also still, yeah.、Uh, but I still think there's a lot of opportunity and、uh, chance for us to be one of the big players here to really grow and help Taiwan expand its startup ecosystem. 
But in addition to that, I mean, I got drawn in by the food here, the vibrancy <laughs> of the culture, the you know challenge of learning a new language and adapting to all of that. But um, you know, the frankly, I, I, it's a beacon of hope in uh, in Asia in terms of its democracy. It's a young, vibrant democracy, uh, a lot of freedoms which are important to me. So all of that kind of combined to draw me in. Mm. So do you think, I, I hear that a lot, that, you know, there's a lot of potential in Taiwan, there's a lot of opportunities, but, um, and, and you think that, you know, it's still, there's room for developing. Um, why, why do you think that is? Are we slow or are we just slow to catch on with the rest of the world? Or what do you think is the problem? Or is there a problem? I mean, every, every startup ecosystem has its challenges. <laughs> I don't think that um, Taiwan is unique in that. But I would say, it's a big challenge here for people to have the mindset that it's okay to fail, that it's okay to try something. And if it doesn't work, then you move on and try the next thing. Um, and then also, I think there's definitely a, a language barrier when Taiwanese startups try to expand outside of Taiwan, which are generally bigger markets, more revenue involved. They have a lot of challenges with that. And so that's where I'm hoping to combine with local entrepreneurs both in our businesses and helping with theirs as a mentor or advisor and help them expand, help us expand outside of Taiwan in terms of markets. Mm. So, yeah, and you know that um, our goal is that we'll become a bilingual country by the year 2030. I'm sure you think that's a great idea, right? I'm do you on, think it's feasible? I'm on board with that. I'm not sure if it's uh, feasible at the current pace. Yeah, that's what we all think. You know, I was just talking to my colleagues yesterday, and 2030, that's very soon. And I don't know. I mean, it's a great idea. It definitely should be happening maybe earlier on, but um, by 2030. And it's very interesting what you said um, just now about Taiwanese people should not be afraid to fail. You think it's a very Taiwanese culture thing, right? It seems to be, uh, especially because I worked in a Taiwanese company for a while, or partially Taiwanese company, I'll say, and a lot of that culture was, you know, I'd start a new project and I'd try to get people to join me. It was an ambitious new sort of thing to grow the company. And I had so much trouble getting people from other teams to lend their support, to join in that effort. And I th the feedback I kept getting was, well, if it doesn't work out, who's going to get blamed? <laughs> Wow, that's difficult. But um, as far as the the language goal, I'm a big fan of setting big goals. So, <laughs> 2030 it sounds aggressive, but uh, maybe that pushes people to try even harder and and maybe land a bit uh, after that. But still, more ambitious is better. Yeah, yeah, because that still ties in with the fact that times people are afraid to make mistakes when they speak English. You know, instead of making mistakes, they rather just not speak at all. And that's still this you know, afraid to fail kind of mentality is so ingrained in Taiwanese people. I, I, it's definitely a reflection of the culture itself. But um, we're glad to have people like you guys to help us say it's okay to fail. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you can learn a lot from it. And just because you failed a few times, especially in the startup world, doesn't mean that you're not going to hit a success at some point. So uh, I'm a big fan of trying it, putting yourself out there. It's scary. Mm. Uh, I just did it recently with my new project. It's so scary to put your, you know, saying this is what I'm working on and please join me on it. But if it might not work. And so that's that's part of the, the journey. But I do think uh, there are some special entrepreneurs here in Taiwan as well. Not everybody is afraid to fail. Not everybody is fitting into that mold. And that's what excites me. Mm -hmm.
You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. When you say you came up, uh, down, uh, sold to a Singapore company, and then they kind of combined with the Taiwan company, you, the Taiwan company, you're talking about 17 Live? I am, yes. Okay, so it's a 17 Live L-I-V-E. Yeah. So, and, and you're talking about you're working at 17 Live? Right, yeah. So I sold to Pactor. It's a Singaporean company. It's the right. biggest dating group in Southeast Asia at the time. Mm. And uh, then about a year later, we merged with 17 Live. Mm. And so um, I came over to Taiwan at that point and started running the marketing team, um, including the marketing in Taiwan, which as a non-Mandarin speaker at the time was very difficult. <laughs> um, and now, uh, as then after that, I, I started the growth team. So how do you grow the company internationally? How do you improve everything about the product so that users are enjoying it more, spending more money, all that stuff that you care about? I'm curious now. Why 17 Live? Why that name? <laughs> <laughs> I think they like the pun, Ichi, so together. And, oh. and then uh, live is obviously because it's live streaming. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I get it. Ichi, that means together. Ichi in Chinese, right? And <laughs> the, the number one and seven is Ichi. Very, very funny. Now you're on to something very different. So different. Now you're concerned about human rights. You've come up with Snowball. You know what I'm what my question is? <laughs> Why the word snowball? Why the name snowball? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, just talk about what's been happening and why what have you been thinking and um, what have been caring about? It's a it's a great question. So snowball comes from the idea that we want to create a snowball effect where normal people can get involved and have an effect on human rights and freedoms. So you know, you think about a snowball when it starts to roll downhill and it gathers all the other snow, suddenly it becomes this this huge ball of power. And that's what we want to create with our community and, and in the future with a startup around it as well. It's a very casual word or name for human rights issues. Yeah, you know, it's which very deliberate. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I think part of it is we we want to open up this topic to people who wouldn't traditionally be involved or super passionate about human rights and freedoms, but generally are still people that care about it. Um, we don't want only the activists. We want people from all walks of life, all careers uh, to join us. And so if we want to enable ordinary people to take part, we need a more approachable name and something that's fun to be a part of. Okay, so what happened? I mean, why the switch? It is, it is uh, quite the change for me. Mm. Uh, so I think a big part of it was over the past five years or so, I've really become concerned with what are the trends worldwide in terms of uh, human rights abuses, uh, democracy on the you know, shrinking worldwide, including in my home country, and uh, seeing just in, in Asia where I've been most of the last five years, uh, a lot of the regimes, authoritarian regimes, are growing in power and in bolder moves. So I am somebody who's always cared about that stuff, but never really been on the activist side. And I thought if I could take what I've learned from the startup world, from entrepreneurship, and from the business world, and turn it into something that can have a positive effect, then I should do that. I should at least try. And I have a duty to try that. So that's where it came from. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, definitely that's great because I can see that you're a doer. 
if it's something that's been on your mind for a long time, you want to make sure that just something happens from that. So what does snowball involve? What kind of things are you doing? Because actually, you just started this. Yeah, we recently. just started two months ago. Two months ago, mm-hmm. right? What have you done so far? Great questions. So <laughs> we're two months in, so it is very early. Uh, the long-term vision, though, is if we can harness the power that we as consumers have. You know, we we make everyday purchasing decisions in what we buy, where we invest our money, all that stuff. And so companies, especially the big corporates, they have a certain influence because they can choose what their ownership structure is. They can choose the supply chain and where they source all their materials if they're creating physical products or if they have policies or public stances they take on issues. For instance, anything regarding the protests in Hong Kong or the uh, coup in Myanmar. So those sorts of stances and influences that companies have should be something that we as consumers want to affect and want to steer our money toward the better actors, the better companies and products, and away from those that are doing things that are either ambivalent or even worse in terms of those abuses and and bad situations around the world. Oh, okay. So you're trying to, hopefully, that all the people that people want to donate for the cause, for the right causes, that they'll get to the right places and get to the right channels. Is we're, that what you're... At some point, we might do donations, but our planning is that it's a part of your everyday purchasing. So if you go to, you know, whether oh, it's the... purchases. Yeah, whether it's the milk tea shop that you're buying your milk tea from or, you know, the pharmacy you're visiting or anything you're ordering online, your investments uh, like ESG investing, there's all sorts of ways that our financial power individually might seem small, mm-hmm. but collectively, when we steer it together, it becomes a lot more powerful. That's really something, from a dating app to a startup about supporting human rights. I know it's the right thing to do, but I'm not a risk taker enough to do something that big, what Colin Hodge is doing. But my conviction is that because of his huge success in a dating app, he's not afraid to try anything else or anything new. And what he's doing is exemplary to me. Next week, make sure you tune in to hear more about what Colin is doing to encourage average people like you and me to support human rights just in your everyday lives. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. 